Welcome to this week's podcast. We are talking about agile leadership for non-technology teams. And I'd like to introduce our guest today, Michael Bell, who is the brand strategist at the Modern Brand Advertising Agency. Michael, welcome to our podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here today. Excellent. So what do we mean by agile leadership? What do we mean by that? Great question. I think really in my world, there's kind of two definitions. There's agile with a capital A, meaning you're really embracing the true agile manifesto and the 12 principles and you're living those values on a daily basis. And there's agile with a lowercase a, meaning the traditional word that we think about as a gymnast being agile, where you're just talking about flexible, nimble, adjustable, all those words that kind of go with agility. So I think there's a formal meaning to it and an informal meaning. And the secret sauce is kind of in the middle. Yeah, I know when we, we talked about years ago, when we talked, when these class, the Scrum Alliance classes first came out and they're, they're called Certified Agile Leadership, I still to this day think a better description is Certified Leadership Agility because it's talking about leaders regardless of what type of team they're leading being agile from the point of view as you were talking about, being flexible, being able to, to switch things up. So t- talk to us a bit more about your leadership for your, your agency, because I know you're not a traditional technology team. So how, how have you been adapting that? How, what have you been using? Yeah, so my background, I started this agency, I started Modern Brand 15 years ago. And immediately knew one of the challenges that ad agencies have is project management. It's a lot of variables. Every project is different. There's creativity involved. There's, a, there's just so many things. No two processes look the same from one project to another. And I went on a deep exploration of how are we going to manage projects? Went through the full PMP process, <laughs> became a certified project manager, and really tried to implement Waterfall at Modern Brand for the first five years of the agency. I That made sense to me. And we just kept hitting our heads against the wall. Mm-hmm. The challenges we found are the normal things people complain about in Waterfall is we would get six weeks, six months into a project and then find out that the client didn't like it or that we'd gone down a road that was just wasted time and we would have to start over. And mm-hmm. starting over was at our cost. So I started looking around for what could be better, more iterative. How do we prevent this getting so far down a road? And that's when I found Agile with a capital A and started implementing small pieces of it. We started with Trello boards. That was the most basic. Then we kind of went to, I guess Trello is Kanban, but we went to a more traditional Kanban board. Um, Now we use a project management tool called Asana, and we use it as swim lanes and use it as a Kanban board across tasks. So that's our main tool and the main way that we organize projects. And and what what is the difference that that you've seen as a result of that transition? It's amazing how many cards move back and forth between columns on a Mm -hmm. daily basis. Uh, Nothing is sitting in any one column and silo for three months. It's sitting for three hours. Yeah. People are constantly moving cards back and forth. They're grabbing a card. They're shoveling card back to somebody. The the pass rate of tasks back and forth between my team has increased a hundredfold. Mm-hmm. 
by using Kanban. So what do you mean the pass rate? So somebody does a bit about a bit of the card and then moves it on. Is, is it avoiding roadblocks and things like that? What do you mean by pass rate? Yeah, just how fast things are moving from one. Let me let me back up. So in our world, we do have a lot of specialized skills. We mm-hmm. have a copywriter who just does copy. We have a designer who just does design. So it's not so much a universal team where anybody could grab a card. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not cross-trained as much as it could be. So it is a lot of pass back and forth from writer to designer. Mm -hmm. And in the old model, you know, the writer would hold that card until she was finished with it, until everything was written. Now she'll write one paragraph, pass the card to the design team and say, is this fit the shape that you want it to? Is this long enough? Do you need more? What do you like about this? Not like about this? They'll pass it back. They'll do a quick design iteration, pass it back to her. So the pass rate of things in progress getting handed back and forth and being iteratively designed has a hundred times. Yeah. And I think the collaboration is huge. And I was um, working with one of our mutual friends um, a couple of weeks ago, designing a logo for Anu and I, the Katanu logo. And he had done, Jacob had done the design work and, and, and put it there for us. And then we got on the phone and we spent an hour on the phone. And by the end of the hour, we had the new logo. We had changed the colors. We changed the fonts. And I mean, there's no way going backwards and forwards with emails that four people would have agreed on logos and colors unless we'd been doing it collaboratively. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it just reminded me yet again why why we do what we do. So what what change do you think the, the change that came in when you made the transition from the more traditional waterfall to the more agile way of working, how did, what was the impact to, to you as a leader and the impact to your team? What, what specifically did you notice? I'm going to kind of sideways answer your question with something that was even more noticeable was how it prepared us for COVID. Yeah. Um, Pre-COVID, the change was felt and everybody felt like things were moving faster and we weren't as frustrated and we were probably more profitable because we didn't waste time on things clients didn't want. But COVID changed everything. Um, Mm -hmm. We were out of the office for six months. We all worked from home. We suddenly became a remote distributed team. And if we had been trying to do that waterfall, we would have failed. Yeah. Um, I don't think we would have survived COVID. So not knowing it, getting into Agile and getting those processes in place three years ahead of COVID really set us up to make that transition pretty seamlessly and continue on as we always worked. Yeah. And I mean, it's funny you should say that because there there was an article, I don't know, sometime last year I read that the companies that were able to deal with the, the volatility and uncertainty of COVID best were the ones that were doing some form of agility because they already had the ordered backlog, the prioritized backlog of work. Everyone knew what they were doing. They were used to working as a team and supporting each other and pulling work rather than this push style of work. So um, it's interesting to hear you say that. So what do you think the team has noticed as as a result of of your transition to the more agile leadership approach? So the team doesn't feel the profitability the way the ownership does, obviously. Mm -hmm. They they just get their work and they get their paycheck and it's not so much a financial gain for them. Mm -hmm. What it is, is a morale gain. It is 
it is emotionally devastating to a graphic designer to have spent 90 days pouring into a logo, falling in love with what they had done, and then to show it to the client and have them go, I hate that. That's not what I like. That's not what I wanted at all. Yeah. And to reset on something that you've been that deep in is almost impossible. You almost have to bring in a second designer. So now when they're showing pencil sketches after a week and they're showing color palettes after two weeks and they're showing something every week to get the client feedback so that they know what direction to go, they're not getting devastated nearly as often is the easiest way to say that. Their morale is so much better and their job satisfaction is so much higher because they're giving the client what they want, but they're also not falling in love with something that's never going to get produced. Yeah. And it also gives the clients what they want, as in what I wanted. And that was quick feedback. I mean, the, what would this look? Oh, no, that's a horrible idea. And if we'd been doing that via email, it would have it would have taken weeks and weeks to, and for, as you say, frustration around it. And um, even, wor- even worse than back and forth by email, the traditional agency model is literally we go away we think about this for three months Mm -hmm. and we come back with a final presentation on big blackboards already printed this is the logo and that's the first time clients give feedback yeah slightly and half the time (laughs) half the time the feedback is complete failure yeah so what what bits so you so you've obviously you you're using asana as your tool for um kanban so you're visualizing the work well, what other bits of uh, have you sort of adopted, if you like, from a, a traditional, more traditional agile organization? What what else are you doing to be more agile as an agency? Uh, I think the two things, and I'll break them down, but the two things that I would point out most is retrospectives and user stories. Yay, retrospectives. Ryan will laugh. I get retrospectives into every uh, podcast we do. So breaking those down, retrospectives, we now do almost every single project. We do a post-project retrospective with our internal team Mm -hmm. and talk about what went well, what went wrong. Did they get the right feedback? Did they get the right inputs? What could we have done better? How could we have been more efficient? And those meetings are so valuable to us. We learned so much from each job now. Mm -hmm. Where before, if you don't convene everyone to talk about it, each person may have a thing that they learned from that, but you don't hear from everybody else. Here's what I saw. Here's what I learned. So the collaboration and the discussion created in a retro in kind of a formal way has been hugely beneficial. And then user stories, we don't use them on every project, but for clients who are into it and who we can get to be good stakeholders, it's tremendously helpful there on the front end of a project. So to give them an actual framework and to do a user story workshop with a client, why we're building this, why we're designing this website, what we're trying to achieve, what we hope people do when they get there. Clients really like it as a format. Um, the ones who are willing to buy into it come out with, come out saying, why doesn't everybody do this? <laughs> it really does give them the voice that they need in a way that they don't normally get. Um, I think, you know, ad agencies have always had creative briefs and we always go in and ask a few questions, but if you don't ask the right questions in that creative brief, the client doesn't get heard. And a user story is so much more collaborative. Again, we'll, we'll keep using the collaborative word, but mm-hmm. it's a discussion. It's not a, it's not a one-sided interview. Yeah. And it leads to much better cleaner user stories. 
So you're you're not doing traditional scrum. You're doing more of a Kanban approach, but you're using some of the events from a scrum environment, like retrospectives and things like that. Would that be a correct representation? Yeah. I mean, I don't think we follow the traditional scrum roles and we don't necessarily do the ceremonies or meetings or whatever they call them nowadays. We do keep a product backlog. We mm-hmm. do work in sprints and deliver something every two to three weeks, depending on the project. We do retrospectives. So we're using a lot of pieces mm-hmm. of Scrum kind of customized to our needs. Yeah. Are you doing any form of, of sort of daily huddle or weekly huddle to, to check in with the team or is your tool doing that for you? We do a weekly huddle. Um, mm-hmm. We call it a staff meeting. We don't even call it a huddle. Um, it could probably be better. It could probably be more agile. Mm-hmm. It, it's gotten a little stale, but we do meet once a week for 45 minutes to go through the job list and the backlog. Yeah. So back to when you made the, the transition from a more traditional um, waterfall environment to a more agile environment, what else did that do in the way of changes, specifically from a leadership point of view? I mean, Have you changed how you do reviews? Have you changed sort of the team core values, things like that? I am proud to say I have not done a performance review in five years. We don't have a need for them anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I went through the Certified Agile Leader Program, one of the things that jumped out at me was performance reviews are fairly worthless. Um, by the time you get to a performance review, you either don't remember how the year went with that person or you're kind of averaging out how you feel about that person. And to shift that to feedback in the moment, let's talk about what happened today. Let's address problems and let's reward successes in real time has eliminated the need for performance reviews. Um, it's funny, I occasionally have an employee who wants one who says, do we do reviews? They, they come from a different environment. I'm like, you get reviewed every day. You know, those conversations we have in the middle of the day, that's a review. You don't need an annual review. You get my comments and feedback all the time. So do you separate, rev- so if you're doing feedback in the moment and things like that, you're, you're really effectively coaching more than anything I would, by the sound of things. Do you do a pay review separately from that? We don't base pay on reviews, so we do annual salary negotiations or whatever you okay. want to call those. We we certainly address everybody's salary needs and adjust for whatever, but no review is attached to that. We don't discuss performance in that conversation. Okay. Yeah, because I've seen a couple of companies do that recently. They've separated the two, so they're, they're two different conversations, the goal being being able to check in regularly with team members on performance so that we're dealing with issues as they arise, as you say, rather than waiting six months and things like that. And I know one of the things that I've done in the past when I'm um, working with team members, one of the things that we talk about is leading to our core values um, and checking in. I mean, laugh again, but retrospectives, I used to do one-on-ones with the team quarterly or monthly, depending what the envi- what was going on in the environment around our core values. So what's going well with this particular core value? What's not going so well? Is there anything you want to do differently? So being able to lead to, to core values and mission statements and things like that, I think has become critical. 
And especially with the transition to a more remote team. I think everything you just said is 100% true if your core values are real and good. (laughs) There are so many corporations, especially the bigger you get, the more watered down they are. And they all have the same five, integrity, trust, respect. (laughs) And if that's where you've templated your core values, then that is a worthless tool for you. Yeah. Modern, I mean, brain has, modern brain has three. We have three values. Be kind, be smart, be the solution. Oh, I like that with the word be in front of it. Yeah, I think Anu and I came up with a couple around sort of having fun and, and being different and things like that. But they were core values that we came up with rather than a marketing page or something like that, that the, the organization came up with and they're written in stone. I mean, I know even when we do it in class, I will say to, to organizations, so if you have the core values and the core values are relevant to your team, then let's look at them. But if you have marketing core values that the organization came up with five years ago and they're not relevant, your team needs to come up with their own core values. Yeah. And in that case, it becomes more like a working agreement. Absolutely. With the, with the big asterisks that this may change based on what is happening at any point in time. So I'm curious, so the the change from a more traditional environment to a more agile environment, um, what has the change been for the team around sort of empowerment and innovation and things like that? I don't know that we saw a huge change in that. We're a small agency, we're eight people, Mm -hmm. and we've always been pretty empowered as teams, mm-hmm. um, especially because we have skill positions. We have two designers, we have two writers, and they really are empowered to kind of run their own worlds. So I don't think we had a big shift there. Um, I can certainly speak to the power of that, letting them each have their own teams. They choose their own tools. Mm-hmm. Um, our digital ad media buyer just chose a new tool that she wants to use. They choose their own conferences to go to. They choose really how their day is structured too. And what happened for us after COVID is we went fully hybrid. Um, Everyone has the the ability to come into the office if they choose or the ability to work from home or wherever they want to work. So everyone at Modern Brand is very empowered to set out their own day, to choose which tools they use, to choose how they want to work. I can't point necessarily to Agile being the answer to that because we were always a little bit that Mm -hmm. way, but for people who are making that transition, it's a big change, I know. Yeah. What, what about your personal journey then? What, what what was it like for you transitioning from more of the traditional project manager to the more traditional sort of agile leader or leadership agility, whatever phrase you use? Oh, man. For me, a couple of things happened. Pre-COVID, pre-2020, I was very rigid. I'm a type A person. I was in my desk at 7.20 a.m. and I was leaving my desk at 6 p.m. And that's where I felt comfortable. I liked routine. I liked everything about it. Very little agility, honestly. Even though we were doing some agile things, I was not very agile as a person. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then I had a child in 2019. (laughs) Then COVID hit in 2020. And I have become the most agile person in the world. I love it. I work from everywhere. I work from the daycare parking lot. I took two calls this morning sitting in daycare drop-off line. (laughs) I pull out my laptop and pull off to the side of the road and work on road trips. 
I am never at my desk at 720. I'm at my desk somewhere between nine and 10. Yeah. Um, all schedules are out the window, but I've learned to embrace it and maximize it. So I think for me, that goes back to agile with a lowercase a. Mm-hmm. Can you find ways to be flexible and still be effective? And it's it's been a hard lesson for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not go easily into increasing my flexibility, but it has now I'm thriving in it. Now, five years later, my, my daughter's about to turn four and yeah, we, we work all the time. It, it doesn't matter. I disappear in the middle of the day, come back and work at 6 p.m. Yeah. I remember some of our very first meetings when we connected, what, 15 years ago, working on logos on napkins in a coffee shop and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So what's next, do you think, for the agency? Any any plans to do anything different with agility going forward? Great question. I, I think we will continue to lean into the things that are working. We definitely need to adjust how we do our weekly meetings. That's that's on my agenda for this year is to find a new format for that meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, probably formalize the way we do retrospectives a little more so that we know that there's a, I guess, ceremony at the end of a project. Mm-hmm. Um, right now it's kind of catch all. What, what finished this week? What can we talk about? So <laughs> I'll send you some formats. Bit. I'll send you some formats for that, Michael. <laughs> I would say continue to identify the things that are helping us and working and use that onion exercise that we've all seen before and strip off some of the things that aren't working necessarily for us or that we don't enjoy doing and just get better at how we do agile yeah. is kind of the next steps for us. So if you were to to leave the, the podcast with a couple of tips for people who are considering a more agile way of working in their non-technology environments, what, what would your, your key, key suggestions be? I think the very first is try out Trello. Mm-hmm. Play with Trello. That's the, that's the entry point. Like before you even know what agile with a capital A is, try managing one project through Trello and use cards. And see if it works for you. Because I think that's that's the gateway drug yeah. to Agile. Yeah. Um, Kanban is probably the easiest, most straightforward thing to get into. And Trello is a good way to do that as an online tool. Uh, the second tip I would say is probably take Certified Agile Leader class. Mm-hmm. The Essentials class is really good. You don't have to be technical. You don't have to be a scrum person. It's going to give you philosophies around agile leadership that you can use no matter what your environment, you can be in the most traditional PMP waterfall environment and still find value in that class. So I think that would be my two first things. Perfect. Thank you for talking with me today, Michael. Absolutely. Um, And and look forward to hearing later on in the year, how it's going with um, changes in your uh, weekly check-ins, weekly staff meetings and your retrospectives. So Okay, well, Michael, thank you for joining us today and talking about the modern brand's journey to agility. If anyone is looking for more information about the leadership classes that Michael talked about, please visit arclightagile.com and you will find information about the Certified Agile Leadership classes. Thank you for joining us.